Hey, I'm Chris Barnes and welcome to episode five of Amplified Wellness. Hey, Chris here and welcome to Amplified Wellness. Today, I'm joined by a very, very special guest all the way from New York, Dr. Belisa Vrenich. Belisa, hello. Hey, how are you? Thank you for having me. Ah, fantastic. How are you doing? I'm good. All the way over here on the other side of the globe, shivering because it's cold here. <laughs> but um, I'm glad to hear that you're having a, uh, you know, the, the warm weather you're having there. Although I'd love to send you some of our rain. Oh, we, we could definitely do with some of your rain, but I... I know uh, your pain over there with those New York winters. My my wife, Case, and I spent a New Year's over there a few years ago, and it was the coldest place I think I've been. <laughs> it was just uh, when that, that polar snap came through, and we were not prepared. We came from San Francisco, where it was beautiful and warm during Christmas, to underprepared for New York. It was cold. <laughs> yes, and then you're trying to get around. I think it's with New York, what's funny is that when you go into the subways, it's hot and you're sweating. And then you come up onto the street and we have wind tunnels. So you're freezing. So it's more, it's not so much the cold, it's the back and forth sweating to freezing, sweating to freezing. But anyway, <laughs> thanks <laughs> it's for a having me. It's good to be here. Oh, it's awesome. It's an amazing city. Absolutely love New York. Uh, today, uh, I wanted to get started. Look, a lot of our listeners hear so much about the need to eat better, to get more activity and training, even to sleep better. But would you agree that the, the subject matter that we're going to discuss today would be one of the most important areas that our listeners could focus on? I don't think it's one of the most important. I think it's the most important, not even one of them. It is the absolute <laughs> foundation of your health and it's just the baseline for everything else that you're doing. Um, you know, if I can say so myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, to, to let the listeners know, you're a, a clinical psychiatrist, but more recently, you're the, uh, the author of Breathe, the simple revolutionary 14-day program to improve your mental and physical health, which is a great book. How did you transition from um, your long career as a, a clinical psychiatrist into helping people breathe better? So I was, I was doing therapy um, with folks in all kinds of jobs related to mental health. And um, I always taught people and asked people to do a lot of things between sessions. So it wasn't just that you come in and vent with me. There's actually things you had to do. So there's movies I would recommend and books and journaling just to get the whole thing over with, you know, as quickly and as efficiently as possible, whatever you were dealing with. But breathing uh, came along because I love my yoga classes and I love the breathing there. But I also was looking at breathing in different sports. So as stress reduction, as something that would help with anxiety and depression, what I found is that was there was a lot more interest and it was a lot more interesting for me than I had originally thought, just breathing. Um, so as people started coming in and wanting to breathe more or coming to see me just for breathing, I transitioned from, from doing therapy to actually just looking at the mechanics and correcting mechanics of breathing um, and just where I am right now, where I am today. Yeah, that, that, that's fantastic. And to, to help listeners understand a bit more, 
how important is effective breathing? You said it is the most important thing that people can focus on. Why is that so important for people? Because isn't it such an automatic thing that we, we we're born breathing? Isn't it a thing that we do and actually choose to naturally? Well, we're born breathing and we do it fairly well when we're children, not just babies, but as as toddlers, as young children, we do it well. But then we sort of muck it up. And we start sitting a lot. Our posture gets affected. We stop moving as much as we should. And with the stress that comes with with living, um, we just change the way that we breathe from something that was well done as children to something that is, is really dysfunctional as an adult. So that the breath that we're taking is one that's good enough to get us through the day, but not really optimal. And that affects your brain health, how you think, how you sleep, the amount of energy you have, um, your endurance, your precision, your strength in your sport, and your ability to recover from day to day. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of areas that it, it impacts on. Pretty much everything. What, what are, yeah, everything. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned um, developing dysfunctional breathing. What would be the worst things that people can do to disrupt their breathing habits? So I would say um, the worst thing that can happen is that you start breathing with auxiliary muscles with the smallest part of your lungs. So most of us, and you can try this right now, is that if you take a deep breath in, you'll find that you sort of look up and, you know, up towards the ceiling, your shoulders go up a little bit and you'll inhale and sort of stretch upwards, which is the way you're told you should be breathing. Unfortunately, you're using muscles that you're not supposed to be using as primary breathing muscles, that is your neck and shoulder muscles. So that's the worst thing that can happen with your breath is that you change it and you stop using the muscles that you were given that that were sort of the way you were designed to breathe and start using these smaller muscles that were never meant to be breathing muscles. And what happens is that the ripple effects throughout your whole body can really be profound because when you breathe up and down that way with your shoulders, you actually put yourself into a more stressed out space. Your heart has to work harder to get more air into your body and to get it around your body. Um, Your digestive organs and your back isn't getting the massage that it would from you using your diaphragm. The, The fallout is really just profound as i said yeah yeah that, that's incredible and there was a a point in your book where you said that obviously children breathe relatively good during the early years but around that five to ten year age they start to lose that ability is that got a lot to do with sitting at school and, and backpacks and things like that Yes, exactly. So we did a study and we found that the exact age when the breath changes is at five and a half for boys and for girls. And what happens is that you go, if, if you think about movement, because we're all talking a lot about movement and movement patterns, is that you go from rolling around and spending a lot of time on the floor to now sitting. So you sit a lot and you you get into, you know, that that sedentary posture 
of sitting. You start that long, long road of sitting a lot, way too much. You stop moving as much as you should. You start getting stressed out because your little life starts being stressful. Um, God, you know, forbid you get a phone as well if you, you know, do as a young teenager and then the stress really mounts. Yeah. And um, the breath changes. It changes from one that should be wide in the middle. You should be breathing just like your pets do, just like all any animal on the planet does, which is that where the biggest part of your lungs are, you should be widening on the inhale and you should be narrowing on the exhale. So if you think about it, and it's, it's actually quite startling, is that we should be inhaling and exhaling sort of like a puffer fish. Or, or pretty much you take a look at your dog breathe and you see the middle of the dog's body will get wider and then it'll narrow. And that's the way we should be breathing. And we've taken something that, you know, the way we were meant to breathe and we've changed it. We've really made it so dysfunctional by now using our shoulders to breathe. So the middle of our body is now braced or or contracted, and we're now breathing with our shoulders, which means that we're going, going to be breathing a lot faster with shallower mm. breaths in a way that keeps us in a sympathetic state, regardless how badly we want to be in a parasympathetic state. Well, wow. so people are basically in that, that stress state pretty much day in, day out when they're breathing ineffectively. Exactly. And they're wondering, you know, why can't I relax? Why can't I yeah. sleep? Why am I so tired? And those symptoms are so far from the source that that's why it's hard to pinpoint that it's your breathing mechanics. Um, when you're when you're fatigued, you don't think, well, maybe it's because I'm not getting a balance of oxygen and carbon dioxide. I'm not using the main muscles I should be. I'm breathing a lot faster, which actually takes up a lot more energy than, than breathing slower mm. in the way that you should be. So the ripples are really so far from the source that it's hard to pinpoint. But thankfully now we're starting to have these very conversations where um, I can tell you, for instance, with digestion, is a lot of the digestive issues we see comes from obviously not chewing because we are not chewing mm. as much as we should. We're rushing through our meals. But more importantly is that the enormous muscle that is responsible for massaging your digestive organs is not moving as much yeah. as it should be. And that's the diaphragm, which we think about as a breathing muscle, but it's also a muscle that helps tremendously with digestion. And there was a really, really interesting um, excerpt in your book uh, where it basically said it's not just about cardio, uh, which really resonated with me. I, I, I own a gym, have for um, nine years, and my thought was that if you work on cardiovascular exercises, that would increase your ability to oxygenate your body. But that's not necessarily the case, isn't it? You, you said in the book that you could have the uh, – cardiovascular fitness of an endurance athlete, but still have a very low vital lung capacity? Exactly. So what happens is that most people, when they're, they want to get better endurance, they want to get better conditioning, they think, oh, I need to do cardio. So immediately they'll go out for a jog or a swim, spend more time on the rowing machine or the Stairmaster. But that's just your heart muscle. 
So your heart muscle can get stronger and work more, but you have over 10 pounds of breathing muscles that if you don't train it separately from your cardio or separately from your sport, you're really not tapping into. So it's pretty fascinating is that you'll have someone who has, you know, whatever baseline of endurance they have, you start them doing breathing muscle exercises and their endurance gets better. And it's pretty much because all those breathing muscles and 10 pounds is a lot in general, people don't realize that they have this, you know, enormous, uh, 10 pounds (laughs) of muscle. It's not all in one place. It's your diaphragm and your intercostals and part of your oblique. It is a lot of muscle that is actually the muscle that, that fuels your lungs. Your lungs by themselves don't do anything at all. They really, it's just like having a spongy piece of cake there that does nothing, but it's the muscles that are around your thoracic cavity that, that fuel and that get air in and out of your lungs. So it's those muscles that you need to train, especially once you get to a certain age. And the fact is that your breathing will keep getting better until the age of 29. And then it actually starts to go down if you don't train your breathing muscles. So often I'll have people in their 30s or their 40s and they'll just say, I just, I don't understand. I train so much. I just don't feel as strong as I used to. Or, you know, my breath isn't as strong as it used to be before. It must be age. It must be this thing or the other thing. And the fact is that if you don't train your breathing after age 29, it's going to go down. So if you're an athlete, that's something that you want to know about and that you want to train as well. That's huge. That's a a really big takeaway for for all the listeners that are uh, training for for running events, triathlons, or just, just general fitness uh, for peak performance. If you just focus on those, developing those breathing muscles, you can pretty much increase your, your performance without actually having to do more, more cardio. That's, that's amazing. And for injury, it's fantastic because I mean, I come from a gym background as well, and we spend so much of our time, um, either recovering from injury, rehabbing from injury, or just praying that we're not going to get injured so that we can keep training. And what's nice about, uh, the breathing exercises is that there's something that you can do while you're injured or as you're recovering from injury to not lose all your endurance. Because think about it, you get injured and the first thing you think of is I'm going to fall behind. Um, And then Mm. as happens with, with a lot of athletes is that we'll get depressed or irritable um, because we're not moving around as much as we're used to. So what's nice about the breathing exercises is that they're hard. They're really hard and you'll sweat. So it keeps you from losing all the conditioning you had and it helps elevate your mood so that you don't get depressed. Yeah, absolutely. And going off a, on tangent a little bit here, how important would be, uh, developing these breathing muscles be for uh, mums-to-be uh, so during the, the labour process? Because I know that uh, my my wife, having two beautiful children, um, practised a lot with calm breathing techniques uh, and that made the world of difference. Would this transfer uh, really effectively to um, yeah, mums-to-be and, and giving birth? Yes, absolutely, because you use the breath both to amp yourself up, but you also use it to calm down. So recovery um, and active recovery is a word you're hearing all the time right now within, within a fitness setting is that what do you do to calm down? What do you do 
to to have a day where you heal from the day before? Yeah. Um, and what do you do to calm yourself down? Um, so as with moms or as with with military, which I work with a lot, is how yeah. do you control your nervous system? And the way your body figures out how amped or how alert it wants to be is through your breath. So absolutely. Um, and it's not something that's taught. You'd think that breathing would be taught both to help mums oxygenate because they're oxygenating, you know, for two, um, also because their diaphragm is pushed so far up in their body especially mm. towards the the 36th, 37th and 38th week. So they'll I'm sure you you remember with your wife she couldn't catch her breath um, yeah. as well as having a lot of pressure on her bladder. But yes. how are you breathing during that time? And then how are you breathing for birth? And then how are you breathing to recover and heal after birth as well? And making sure that you include the breath in in that situation is is very important. No, very very much so. I had a um, one of our listeners send in some questions uh, when I mentioned, obviously, that I was going to have you on the show. Uh, she was very interested in in knowing more about uh, detoxing through through breathing, because um, the breath has a tremendous capacity to to cleanse and detox the body. Isn't that correct? Oh, fantastic question. Is that one of the ways you move lymph and waste out of your body is making sure that you're using your diaphragm. So this whole idea that we're, we're very inflamed or we're very acidic or we're whatever it is that's going on that your body is toxic, rather than doing some crazy cleanse or, you know, all kinds of other things that you can think about, the easiest and the most efficient way to detoxify your body is by breathing with your diaphragm. It actually mm. is very much like taking a sponge that's full of, you know, dirty water and squeezing it. And you can only do that by inhaling and exhaling where there's movement and, and, and very deliberate expansion and contraction in your body. So brilliant question. Yes. Oh, that's fantastic. She was very mindful um, of just a, a gentle cleanse as well. So I guess um, breathing effectively would be uh, definitely a more subtle way of, of cleansing the body. Well, it's pretty, uh, honestly, it's much, it's pretty extreme and it's much more thorough for sure. Yeah. I mean, we do all these crazy cleanses and again, you know, to, to always keep checking on how you're eating and make sh making sure that you're, you're eating enough, you're drinking enough, that you're taking whatever supplements are good for you is important, but making sure that you're breathing well and you're getting lymph and waste out of your body through your breath, through regular bowel movements, through sweat, you know, is, is yeah, yeah. really efficient, though it feels gentle. You know, people that take my class do not leave saying, wow, that was a really nice, gentle class at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's de definitely not. I've, I've been applying some of your exercises out of your breathe book. And yeah, it, it's definitely a workout, especially like I, I, I feel that I've got weak uh, breathing muscles, which I, I definitely need to work on. Uh, but yeah, they, they, they definitely feel worked when I'm doing these exercises. <laughs> and it helps for every sport. I mean, right now I'm continuing to study different sports and depending on your sport, the exercises you want to do are different. So the first thing I always tell people is that make sure the mechanics of your breathing are correct. 
if you go running out and start using whatever inspiratory uh, muscle trainer um, you know, that, that you get, you're just going to be training the wrong muscle. So you mm. have to start out by looking at the mechanics of your breath. Are you using your diaphragm? Are you actually expanding? Is the middle of your body expanding without you using your shoulders? And is it contracting as narrow as possible? Because if you look at the outside of the body, it's going to tell you whether you're using the inside muscles, the diaphragm. So you can't yeah. see your diaphragm. You can't feel it. It's, it's actually pretty complex because it's one of those muscles that you can't feel it. So you can only assume and correctly by looking at the outside of the body that you're using your diaphragm. If your body's expanding on the inhale, the middle of it and contracting the numbers of your measurements are getting smaller on the exhale, but you're not using your shoulders to pick up your thoracic cavity. So it really has to be, the inhale has to be this softening and attempting to widen on the inhale, then narrowing on the exhale. Then you start, once you have that in place and you have good numbers, then you start strengthening that inhale and that exhale. And again, you're not using your neck and your shoulder muscles. They are already overused and probably cramped up and unhappy. So you don't <laughs> want to be doing your breathing muscles with your neck and shoulder muscles because they're not really meant to be primary breathing muscles. And they're typically the muscles that are engaged when people are under a lot of stress or anxiety. Um, that, that's a big, big area for a lot of people these days. Uh, they're under chronic stress, anxiety, depression. In your uh, years of clinical practice, did you see a lot of dysfunctional breathing in people that were coming through with anxiety and depression? Was yes, this, yeah. exactly. And that's where this whole uh, concept came in is that I would see people who had depression or anxiety or both um, or just high stress and they were all breathing terribly. Mm. So what I was looking at is that we could, we could talk about their anxiety or their depression until the cows came home. But if we actually didn't change their nervous system, if we didn't change the mechanics of their breath, we could talk about it, you know, weekly forever. They weren't going to feel differently. They actually had to change the way their nervous system um, was responding or, or what was being activated in their body. And then if they understood things intellectually, it would obviously help, but you didn't need to. So that was sort of funny as, as, as a psychologist is that I was saying that, yes, understanding your stress and understanding your reaction to it is important. However, changing what your body's nervous system is doing will actually get you there faster. So actually breathing in a way that, that supports your parasympathetic nervous system. And that doesn't mean zoning out. Too many people mm. will actually, especially in New York, will say, well, I don't want to be less alert. I have to get things <laughs> done. And the point is that you can be alert and productive without being um, completely stressed out. You can, don't have to be on this in this hypervigilant go, go, go state. In fact, you're going to burn mm. out if you're in that state. It's better to be in this state right in the middle where you're alert, you're taking in information, you're creative, you're thinking out of the box, you're productive, but most of us aren't there. We're either at 10 
code red with all sirens going off all the time, <laughs> or we're knocked out unconscious because we're, you know, we're either self-medicating or we're exhausted. So it's about yeah. finding that in-between ground and the breath will take you there. No, that's really amazing. And uh, I'm confident that uh, our listeners just, yeah, from the, the gems in this episode, will be able to walk away and start to be more mindful of each and every breath and, and start to train those muscles. For, for people to find out more about you and, and your coaching, where would be the best place to uh, direct them to? So the breathing class is the website, the breathing class. And uh, my Instagram, I think, is Dr. Belisa. And pretty much, although, you know, I'd love folks to buy the book, they don't have to. Um, I talk about what you can do and I'm on podcasts and on my website can tell you what to do, which is pretty much make sure that your mechanics are good with your breathing, that you understand what your diaphragm looks like, where the biggest part of your lungs are, and then that you start working those breathing muscles, which is doing exercises where you actually stretch out the middle of your body, where you push yourself, where you break a sweat, and you may end up using a gadget that makes it harder to inhale and exhale, but setting up a routine for yourself where you get baseline numbers and every day you work on it, even if it's two or three minutes, is that push your breathing muscles and train them, break a sweat, and you'll see the numbers as far as your endurance and even your strength or the safety of your lifts will change. Yeah, really, really good points. Dr. Beliza, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for yeah, taking your, your time to chat to me and all of our listeners. Um, yeah, it's really, really valuable content and I'm sure it's going to be very, very beneficial to, to so many of our listeners. Uh, yeah, I can't thank you enough. Amazing. Thank you for having me, Chris. This was great to be on here. And this is an audience I, I love particularly. So keep the podcasts coming and great work. Thank you so much. Bye.